Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, episode 11 of season 3. God damn! It's going to be the last episode of we're ending on 11. certain British television series. That sucks, man, man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 11? What the fuck? It's not a bad we number. should at least do one more. Maybe I'll do one more. Look, I have no control over your production yeah. here. Well, I'm you said you're busy guest. next week, right? So I'm in Indiana next week. Okay. Yeah. Well, that doesn't yeah. mean you can't do a podcast. Well, yeah, but... I also like have the shittiest recording options. I mean, I can talk to my brothers, but I don't think they have anything either. Fine. I guess I'll have to do another. What we can do. I'm going to have to come up with a title for that one because obviously the first one was like, oh, it's a solo episode. I'll do a title about it being solo. What I really want you to do (laughs) is um, I'll send you a bunch of shit I would say. And then you just impersonate me. Okay. Well, I'm already doing that right now. So (laughs) that's true. So you're really good at it. Obviously. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was a really dumb intro. Um, we are <laughs> very dumb people. Yeah. Yep. We've already been talking for 20 minutes about just the dumbest Just stuff. how dumb we are, yeah. basically. And, yeah, and how we're stupid. How we're unprepared for this episode. And, uh, but, but Ryan's very... So if you're dumb or if you're smart or anywhere in between... So in the, somewhere in the Goldilocks zone between dumb and smart. Because <laughs> it's about to get real smart in here. Yeah. Because today we're talking about Marks and why mm-hmm. I'm smarter than him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Personally. Yeah, this is Ryan's stupid. personal chaotic quest. Today we're talking about uh, Marx's labor theory of value. Uh, not to say that uh, he invented mm. the labor theory of mm-hmm. value, because that was actually David Ricardo, but uh, Marx was a big proponent of the labor theory of value, and he based a lot of his capitalist analysis <laughs> on the labor theory of value. And uh, I'm here to tell you why uh, you're all uh, dumb commies, and you need to learn economics, because value is subjective. Sure, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is technically true, though. I, I will well, I'll say that. I'm not going to argue that fun point. We'll get to that later. I know that already. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about labor theory of value. Well, and... son, would you rather have three bullets or a loaf of bread? Well, if you have three bullets, you can rob the bakery. But would you rather eat now or later? Is your dad yeah, Jesse values. Ventura? Sure. Would what? you rather eat would now? Would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so <laughs> labor theory, value, and its implications. Also, uh, I'm Ryan Salisbury, and that's Chris Nivens. Yep. Uh, those are our names. Those are um, names. Yeah. Doing great so far. We're so. on track. Um, anyway. Segway. So, <laughs> um, so me and Peter, personally, not so much Chris, have, have talked a lot of shit about Marxism. And uh, we've laid out you know, a couple of our criticisms of Marxism, mostly... Uh, stolen from uh, Bickler and Nitzan. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this, admittedly, is also stolen from Bickler and Nitzan and, and other economists totally. that I've yeah. read and other non-economists These that are read. your original thoughts. Yeah, which totally were original. Borrowed um, from Israeli propagandists. Right. Yeah. And uh, this is also like part of an article that I started writing. So, oh, yeah. Uh, a, I'm not going to be as good at reading it as a normal set of show notes because it's written to be an article but also i'm basically just like workshopping this article sure (laughs) as a podcast so we're just going to discuss your rough draft (laughs) slash outline yes so we're gonna be doing editing in person so so what's really going on is this is your you're you're suggesting uh to the head of your program the thesis you want to write Mm -hmm. and then the committee is going to look at it and be like oh actually this is shit yeah and you'd be like no it's not shit and they'd be like well I mean, do you want to graduate? And then, you know. And then it'll be like, nah, I'm good. 
Yeah. I'd rather just do drugs. Yeah. Well. And then. Because and then, value uh, is subjective. I will spin and then yeah. I win the argument. Yeah. Because. Right. How can you compete with drugs? You can't. Sorry. You, you can't. Drugs are school. Drugs, drugs everything, hands you know? down every time. Yeah, we're primitivists now. <laughs> All you have to do is just do, do like the drugs. drugs. <laughs> huh? Do primitivists like drugs? Well, I'm pretty mean, sure curing it? marijuana is technology. So, if you can do that. <laughs> well, I was thinking so it was just fire. like the uh, the naturally discovered, you know, like shrooms and shit. I thought they were super into that. If you're I mean, a primitivist, maybe the primitivists I know are different from the primitivists you know. If you're a primitivist, you know, you're only Coast, allowed West to Coast beef you're only allowed to smoke or, dirt weed and you're only allowed to light it uh on fire started by lightning right <laughs> right right and uh so, and so forth just just so you know yeah um <laughs> weed is anti-sieve or weed is weed is sieve sorry weed is sieve yeah yeah if um, you're a stoner you're participating in society yeah which we live in we live in one we, we live in society yeah Anyway, so I'm going to try and start Marx. this labor theory of value thing. Yeah. So you've got a beef with Karl Marx. Right. So that he's dead. He is dead. And only spoke. Actually, it's one of my favorite things English. about him. Yeah. He's dead. Ha ha. I'm not dead, which makes me better than him. Right. Yeah. Super. So anyway, bitches. I'm going to start by trying to define the labor theory of value uh, for those who don't know. So be hilarious if you were wrong the first time. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the labor ahead. theory of value uh, <laughs> states that you can just make mud pies all day and then that will be worth a million dollars. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> it's one of my favorite libertarian things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so the labor theory of value states that the economic value, which uh, they conflate with price. So like prices, basically. Um, are explained by the amount of socially necessary abstract labor time, which, if I have to mention it again, I don't think I do. But Snart. Uh, yeah, I'll abbreviate it as snalt, uh, which is a fun word to say. Um, so the amount of snalt needed to realize it. And uh, just because that word is also complicated, socially necessary means like the mud pie thing is, is bullshit. So if, if someone right. spends way more effort than they need to making like a given item then it doesn't count because it's right. like the amount of work Socially that the average right. worker would have to put yeah. into making something and then um it's abstract because there's no like concrete measure of labor other than like hours but hours like one hour of labor for a from one person may not be equal to one hour of labor for enough from another person, like whether they're skilled or unskilled. So right. it's like a really vague thing kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Bickler and Nitzan get into the construct. They get into the weeds of like how it's not a, it's yeah. not a unit. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. you can't really measure it. So it's kind of bullshit to say like, yeah, that's what is prices based on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so for example, if a, if a typical factory worker takes one total man hour to make a pen, there's one hour of snalt embodied in a pen. Mm-hmm. And that's what the economic value of it is. Right. Um, so if someone puts ten, like takes 10 hours to make a pen, it doesn't count because the Somebody else other nine hours wasn't socially necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. but in reality, unfortunately things are not priced in, in labor hours. Um, that is a thing that some socialists have tried to do was mm-hmm. uh, create like labor notes, right? Uh, which were more like hours, and um, right. that was supposed to be used as a currency. Um, which, like on its face, sounds about right when you're working with these parameters. You're like, yeah. oh well, in, in that case, we'll just do like a you know 
um, a wage based on time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then that'll be the, uh, yeah, like, and we actually did an episode in, mm-hmm. I think season one mm-hmm. or maybe, I think maybe I might've heard two. that or part of it. Yeah, yeah. And it was about uh time banking, which is like a mm-hmm. very similar thing where mm-hmm. people trade hours. Right. But it's mostly right. only available to services because it's really hard to yeah. like convert your entire supply chain to be hours when you're not a state. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best thing is when people share hours in love, love yes. time, love yeah. wage. You're talking about fucking whoa <laughs> what's that share hours in love <laughs> um well this got weird um okay bye everyone all right <laughs> um so anyway um uh ltv is supposed to represent like relative exchange value so like uh if a pencil takes an hour uh, half an hour to produce and the, the pen still takes an hour to produce then the pen is supposed to cost a dollar whereas the pencil is supposed to cost 50 cents because like right. a pencil takes half as much effort as a pen right um so there's a lot of issues with ltv uh which a lot of political economists have analyzed in extensive extensive detail uh mm-hmm. for a good overview you see capitalist power mm-hmm. um i think we might touch on it in our capitalist power episodes but i think we might have skipped over it to like save time I right. can't remember. It's been a long because time. Because your argument was weak and you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, LTV is, it has its weaknesses. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, so, oh, man, I should have just like skimmed this before we started. It's so hard to read. So we are equals. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first problem is workers are paid different wages and those wages are primarily an outcome of a power struggle between employee and employer. Which is true. Right, which is why unionized workers are paid more than non-unionized workers because the workers in the union have more power to demand higher wages. Right. Same thing why workers in the U.S. are paid more than workers in China because there's been a history of labor struggles in the U.S. Mm -hmm. where we've got higher wages than workers in China. Although that gets fuzzy because Uh, of international money uh, conversion I don't know a ton about like the Chinese economy specifically, but I think that has more to do with the fact that they liberalized in what was it the seventies and eighties, the dang fucking shit. Yeah. Um, Communism with capitalist characteristics. Right. <laughs> right. Where they're like, hmm, what if we follow the USSR model and go fucking batshit with this? Yeah. Um, but then really, really do it. Um, so. I think that has more to do with the liberalization of their economy and then like the opening of trade and all that bullshit. Uh, and as they decided to follow that kind of liberal economic um, path, they, I mean, you know, that's what fucking happens is they end up in that kind of economy and they needed to further industrialize if they were going to compete at all. And so they ended up in that kind of like um, weird position of having like increasing uh, levels of development and political clout and all that bullshit which we've seen and of course you know the fucking west likes to be like oh my god china they look different than us therefore it's a threat <laughs> which sounds like an interesting and familiar argument and then which is stupid because they're not a threat because they look different than us right it's because they're, they're, they're genetically superior to us <laughs> right, right 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 yeah and um and their ability to compute things is amazing um and that's also not an essentialist argument but um <laughs> But yeah, it's because like they basically pursued that kind of like um, liberalization to some extent or other, you know, and you can obviously we can argue about the extent to which and the forms in which they did that. And they did follow different uh, uh, strategies in doing so, which I thought were pretty interesting, the little yeah. that I do know again. Um, but 
because uh, there was a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of like command economy style, you know, uh, work being done um, in terms of how they chose to build up and industrialize and innovate and so forth, quote unquote innovate, right? Um, but <clears throat> it was very paternalistic, um, but while also being liberal, which some people think is opposite, but it really does go hand in hand. Anyway, um, so, so, so of course, like their labor uh, power, which was already... Um, which was like had been empowered, it seems you know through like like Mao's you know uh, rise and everything like that. Mm. But then, uh, which kind of had seen some like uh, I don't know like I don't know if like the laboring class was like disempowered or anything like that through like the Cultural Revolution. But there was obviously like a lot of like disruptions that happened in their economy because of political projects. Okay. Anyway, so then the liberal thing starts to happen after Mao, you know, and, and fucking liberals. Right. You know, like they just like, they're like, well, what if we, you know, and they experiment with that and then they just go for it. And they, because they had so much state, um, influence and support behind that project. Like that was a project of the state at that point. Um, and again, China experts can can fucking correct me where I'm wrong or vague, and I hope you do because it is of interest to me. If you're a China sure. expert, please, please correct tell us, us so that we know please who you us. are and we can but invite you on the podcast. this is my understanding based on what I've <laughs> seen, read, heard. Um, then, um, obviously, like, labor power is extremely diminished by liberal processes, like economic liberal processes. Um, and since the state was accelerating those processes in order to further industrialize, further militarize, yep. et cetera, then the undermining of labor power and of like um people's sort of like the the people's voice overall was itself also accelerated because of the fucking you know yeah proliferation of these these like unequal structures and stuff um and of the competition that they tried to introduce in order to 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 achieve these things so what you know as with many of the as, as with much of the kind of like state communist industrial projects, what you saw was a lot of cool good shit happened for peasants and stuff. Yeah. But then also, um, and this is where I'm kind of like, I try to be a little heterodox in my leftism too, you know, is to understand like how many good things were achieved, many bad things were achieved, and many of the bad things that were achieved were capitalist in character. Right. Right. Because the... Um, you know, or they were like kind of like. I think you could make the argument that like yeah. the USSR industrializing was good mm-hmm. for peasants because yep. it after it after Holodomor really, yeah. there was no more famines. Right, famines were very regular in agrarian Russia. Right, and then after the they after Holodomor there was no more famines. Right, but at the same time you skip ahead like a couple generations, mm-hmm. and if you're a, a poor person in Russia now, you're yep. probably not in a great situation. So like, in the long term. Uh, yeah. it didn't go so I mean, well. And, and, and these and are same all with China, probably, you know, that China, right. China stopped yeah. having famines you after shit in, industrialization right. as well. Right. And, but now That's if you're a point of industrialization, if you're right? a poor yeah. worker in China, probably, <clears throat> well, not probably, but maybe not as you're not in as good a situation as a Chinese peasant. Right. Other right. than the, you know, dying part. <laughs> right. Well, right, dying right. of dying of starvation part. Right. 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 <laughs> and this is, I mean, you know, I know that like we can talk it cause like, I don't want to, 
I don't want to like piss off my like Leninist and Maoist friends more than we already probably have. I want to piss off Chris's I know, Leninist and Maoist friends. I know friends. you want to. I know you want to. But I'm like, I'm you know, just his, not mine. Mine are cool. And actually, I, I, yeah, right. And I'm not even talking about like left unity or anything like that. Like, I think that's fucking silly. But like, um, friend unity. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, like I just care about my fucking people. You know. And um, and um, what they think and and like their potentially better understanding of history than mine. Right. Because I haven't fucking read everything in the library yet. <laughs> oh you um, haven't oh. not yet not yet not yet um, point. yeah i know i know um <laughs> but yeah so but yeah like you know you you do see these glimpses of like different like communist or former communists just you know places where like like in china there was like some shit going around on their social media of some some poor little bastard he was like six or eight years old you know um rural kid and he got to school and like i know that like hard conditions exist in those kinds of places it's like the north dakota of china right and but he gets to school and like he's he's like fucking hair is like frosted icicles right because he just doesn't like it seems right based on the story that was disseminated through western media of course right so we're iffy on like the narrative there but this was shared around china and the kid is poor and he went through adverse conditions to get to school and that's not great but at the same time, I'm not asking for miracles from. Well, I think it's actually system, inspiring. Right? Well, yeah, obviously, right? <laughs> Bootstraps for everybody. Um, anyway, back to the point of like China and like pricing and shit. Uh-huh. You know, like the, in this case, this fucking long tangent I just went on because I was defending the honor of whatever the fuck regime um, or whatever. Dang. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I, which I'm not actually defending, but um, <clears throat> Chris is a dangus confirmed. <laughs> I'm not. I swear to God. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Uh, uh, uh. Um, but yeah. Uh, now you're going to have to follow Potawatomi and uh, <laughs> yeah. and all those people. Shit. <laughs> um, I'm really not, I swear. But uh, um, like I said, right, like they introduced these, these uh, reforms and restructuring and all this bullshit. And that's what undermined the uh, laborers to the point that their goods, their industrial goods, and their other, like, fucking commodities are cheap as fuck. Yeah. Right? And, of course, China has, like, a huge mining sector, right? Right. Um, And that is also, uh, well, I mean, like, they're hoarding their rare earths as far as I know, and then, which is smart, honestly, but... um, yeah, I meant to yeah. add to that thread about the Green New Deal and how we're going to have to contend with the fact that if we do a Green New Deal, we're going to have to deal with yep. China having oh, absolutely. all of the world's rare earth yeah. metals. They, like, and fucking... And we'll be in a very poor bargaining position. China is to, is that. to that, uh, rare earths and whatnot, as, like, I want to say, like, Saudi Arabia is to oil, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, other countries have it and they can do it, but, like, they're really, like, sitting on the fucking pile yeah. right there. Yeah. But on the bright side, they don't have <laughs> a, uh, you know royal family of pedophiles <laughs> right. and stuff exactly. that are, you know exactly that is always a pro yeah, yeah. so anyway so back so back to your original point yeah so didn't mean to take it so far afield sorry um that's cool the next two are basically like um ltv really just one it doesn't really acknowledge how prices are formed in reality mm-hmm. which um you know almost all economics has the same problem um, one thing I—it's not perfect. One thing I wish I had mentioned in the solo episode that I like thought of as I was talking and then like f- like dropped again was like yep. a lot of economic studies are based on either models entirely. Oh, which sure. Total bullshit. Just throw in the right. trash. Right, right, um, right, 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 right. Or they look at 
uh, prices, and then they like either reverse engineer from there right. or something like that. Yep. And not enough of them <clears throat> use survey data. Yep. They need to go talk to businesses <laughs> and ask them how they do things. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what you want to study. If you're trying to study capitalism, yep. which is a system that right. exists in reality, yep. you need to talk to the capitalists and yep. ask what is how do you do things? How like do you do things, right? Why are you doing it this way? Why aren't you doing it that way? And so on. Yeah. So um like an example that I gave was like um, a good or service, like the price of a good or service doesn't necessarily have any relation to the amount of work that went into it. And the right. example of this is a loss leader. So if you go to the grocery store and milk is on sale, that means it's a loss leader. And the oh, reason yeah. they put milk at the yeah. back of the store right. is because you You're have to walk by all, all the other shit. shit. You'll see other things on the way that yeah. you think that you want. And then you'll buy that, and then they they make up for the loss on the milk yeah. with the other stuff that exactly. you buy. It's a, it's a especially the beer, veritable <laughs> garden of earthly delights. Yes, yeah. I mean the beer is always next to the dairy, which is interesting, right? Right. Yeah. And then the and other the frozen thing, food because yeah. it's easy. Yeah. Like I could use three hundred pizzas actually. Yeah. I'm drunk and I need to keep my buzz rolling, <laughs> and I also <laughs> probably should eat. Yeah. That's yeah. that's me in the store. Um, and then the other thing with like accounting is. Um, you know, businesses make more than one good or service. There's hardly, I can't think of a single business that makes only one thing. And, uh, that's fair. They have a, a bunch of employees in the company that mm-hmm. are not directly necessary for production. That doesn't mean you, that you can get rid of them. That doesn't mean that they're like parasites or whatever. Well, you there know, might like, be one who's a parasite. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not employees. Those um, are the owners. <laughs> like, like middle managers tend to actually do some stuff. You know, they're right. they're definitely but, not yeah. as important yeah. as workers. Well, this is yeah. I mean, this is my general theory is that managers need to be downgraded to coordinators and left at that. Yeah, and like and and so like you just flatten it a little bit. Yeah, and be like, yeah, you're just making sure shit runs. That's what you're fucking supposed to do. But you're not going to get any special treatment for that. That's what everybody's fucking doing. Yeah, right? yeah. But then like even more important than that, you have like people like like our friend Murphy, who's a janitor. Right. Are you going to have fucking a, necessary you know, working necessary all work. day? Right. Um, or like repair tax. So you get like what happens when your shit breaks? Are you going to learn how to fix every machine that you work on? Don't think so. <laughs> Not me. Because I mean, usually like, um, like a big company will have the, they usually contract their repair work, right. but the repair company will have like 12 techs for like, you know, an entire region and mm-hmm. they, they just mm-hmm. travel around everywhere because, you can't just have one there like all the time. They'll be spending most of their time doing nothing. Um, and, and that stuff has to be included in the cost of doing business and selling stuff. Right. And therefore right. the price because the product sales are like all that you have to generate revenue. Mm-hmm. So you have to like uh, take all the costs and what, what they call it amortize them, like mm-hmm. take them mm-hmm. and divide them up over time right. and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, just labor alone can't explain the, the the price of a good because right. a lot of other stuff goes into it. Like labor as traditionally understood. Yeah. Right. And, and um, you know, most prices, like in reality, according to the survey data that I was talking about, um, there was a number of studies in from the 70s onward, mm-hmm. um, starting with Means and Burl, uh, which looked at how do businesses actually form prices. And mm-hmm. uh, over three quarters of them, in most countries, uh, foreign prices 
as cost plus margin. So they take the costs that they pay mm-hmm. uh, for each product. They they you know take their costs and then they divide it up by the number of products they expect to sell. And then they assign it like a unit cost, and then they add a profit margin that they want to get, and then that's the price. So there's no at at no point are they like. Hmm, how many uh, socially necessary labor hours are we putting into this? And let's transform that into dollars, and uh, then that's the price. Right. Right. Um, and so the the conclusion from that is is that like the Marxist theory of exploitation, the idea that workers are not paid the full value of their labor, that the the uh, capitalist takes a surplus value uh-huh. that falls apart because prices are not based on labor value. So it has well, no think, real relation okay. to that. I think that, so, so I'm a bit of a compatibilist when it comes to these two. Okay. Um, I, I tend to like to approach like, uh, either like just like different theories, whether they're computing or not, right. Directly computing or not as like, I tend to try to ask, like, do the ideas actually work together? Mm-hmm. Like how could they work together? Right. Because like, you know, people fucking, you know, people who like to think, um, actually think and not just spout fucking lies you know people like to think about problems you know they have a lot of ideas and they may have good ideas and sometimes their good ideas are incomplete or or they're even complementary or whatever the fuck right so to me this particular part of it the calculation of value um like it's always going to be relativistic right like it's always going to be in relation to something else and that's just how that shit works yeah i mean right and it also has to do with like like you said and i think all of us on the left a uh, fucking agree is that it has to do with a power struggle between different like roles in the work process you know right the the classes as you as we, as we like to say it typically um you know owners managers versus like the others um yeah us and then there's of course all the all the questions about cops and, and about other types of people right that people may have different opinions on yeah i decided right? today that bankers think, are their oh, own class aren't, and i'm like fuck you you know huh i decided today that bankers are their own class yeah they kind of are like financiers and accountants and bankers they're and like stuff. they're very cloistered compared mm-hmm. to like almost anyone else yeah i mean yeah they're, they're i just imagine that like bankers only hang out with other bankers or like people that are like like actuaries and shit like people that are as, yeah. as big of like dry boned like nerds uh-huh. as them <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think because like i know some people who work um for a credit union which is a little bit different right but it's still a financial well, i'm talking about like, of that like kind. man and like managers and above not necessarily like oh okay tellers okay. and well, clerks but, and stuff but then you're still t- thinking of like essentially what we would call a bourgeoisie right of sorts i guess right yeah so that's that's definitely I like, call it that because i'm not french <laughs> right right uh <laughs> The, the city folk but you know but like like yeah like <laughs> the, the city the, folk right right but like the uppers you know like the <laughs> upper types um so like the cost so this is where this is where i think these these are actually compatible is it like i know uh, i feel like i understand your critique and so i'm gonna just say like the cost to hire the workers pay the workers bring it to sale etc plus the margin that's just the accounting version of the exploitation as i see it right because like the cost to fucking do you know to fucking hire yeah, a lot of the that workers, pay the workers. like the whole thing with exploitation is like it's not it's not necessary that we do that but there are some parts of that that are necessary to do like the repair techs and the janitor guys 
they're not directly involved in production and technically it would be exploitation for them to be paid out from the value of the laborers you know income because they're not directly contributing to the production of the thing but they have to they have to contribute in order to in order for the thing to be produced so like it's this fuzzy area between labor and exploitation okay i mean are you, are you talking about like the difference between like commodities and services here or like no like just, um just you know let's get into like, it right? like <laughs> if you if you make if you use a machine to make a a, a box a fucking box or, or like whatever, a pen or whatever the you fuck, know and right, it sells right, right, for two dollars right. right because you spent two hours on it yeah and you you make like wild example. you know 25 dollars worth of boxes an hour mm-hmm. um and i'm a repair tech and you know once in a while your machine breaks and i you know i have to you know make some amount of money myself so you pay me like you know five dollars the equivalent of like you know let's say a dollar an hour so like you make only 24 dollars an hour for, per box or for out of boxes now i make a dollar an hour out of those boxes am i exploiting you because you know you're not being paid the full value of your labor because you're paying me out of that even though i'm not a, i'm not a boss so i'm not getting that because i'm like forcing you to give it to me um well i think you're i think you're mixing up exploitation versus, versus coercion i mean coercion is when you're like you know forcing someone like well exploitation is what they call the surplus value being right, given to right. the boss yeah or whatever so i'm getting i'm getting surplus value as well but it's because there's a you know a material need for me to to contribute to your production process even though it's not actually making products you okay are you talking about the manager gets that surplus you know i guess the surplus is a repair tech oh you're no now you're the repair tech yes okay, okay. i've always been the repair tech oh, okay I, even before this podcast oh my god before time was time jesus i was Christ. the repair tech this is how they get you <laughs> um okay okay so you're the repair tech and you're performing socially necessary work yeah and labor Right. So not, basically, I'm a I'm a person that's necessary to the production <clears throat> process. Yeah. It's not actually contributing, like in terms of like I'm not putting boxes together. Right. Right. But you are necessary you to, to pay that me because otherwise you wouldn't be able to make boxes. But it's not because I'm your boss and I'm saying like, you can either pay me that or I fire you. It's, uh, you oh your machine's broken. Well, I can fix it for you, but I need money. You know. Yeah, that's how it should work. Right. Yeah. But, but according to the just... labor theory of value with exploitation, that would it would be like this weird gray area where I'm like according to the labor theory of value, I'm technically exploiting you because I'm not laboring. I'm not putting labor into the product. But I'm getting paid from the revenue generated by the product. So you're not receiving the full value of your labor because you're paying me. Does that make sense? Are you still the fucking repair tech? Yes. And who am I now? You're the laborer. I'm I'm the laborer. I don't yes. pay anybody shit. I'm the, I'm the laborer. You made you make the boxes. Yeah. You I'm get the, the twenty five dollars an hour. Right. Right. And then you pay me a dollar well, an hour. Yeah, theoretically. To repair your shit. Yeah. It breaks once an hour, and I only charge a dollar because I'm nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, and see, I do in the article. If you were to actually read it, which well, if you I didn't, so if I read it as much as you did, um, <laughs> as you wrote it, you would see that I yeah. say that. 
only thing like the theory of exploitation that's correct is that the organization has to receive more in revenue than it spends on labor in order to profit, which is really just a statement on what profit is. Um, and I also think the labor theory of value has some truth to it in the sense that like there is a labor component to any cost, like any cost ultimately right. resolves to right. you have to pay right. someone to work to do something. Yes, this is... Yeah where I was headed until right. you became a repair tech. Yeah. Well, sorry. That was never born and I will really never die. <laughs> needed a career change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying really is that there's like, you know, the cost and the price are all essentially relative, just like, you know, in, in any system, you know, like the, the, the fucking, not to get into fucking exchange values right away, but like, yeah, like the alleged exchange value that they might quote unquote base their price on, you know, like that's based on other prices and those are all set by other things. And those, you know, it's a fucking, you know, fluid nebulous system. Right. Yeah. Either way. Right. But, um, yeah, all I was really getting at was that like, you know, um, I think that like the Bickler, Bickler, Nissan, um bnn yeah yeah yeah. bnn uh thing uh is really just more like the kind of uh attempt to address like the accounting side of that kind of relationship um and and it it doesn't change the the fact that there's exploitation it's just reframing it in terms of um the cost and sale and, and margin and all that bullshit, which is just standard. Well, there's a thing that business terminology. There's a thing that people do when they defend Marxism, especially from like this kind of thing, which is um, is that they build tanks and inv- <laughs> invade Eastern European countries. They also do that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, but you'll say like, okay, if we take the technical definition that Marx gave of exploitation, mm-hmm. which is that workers do not receive the full value of their labor according to the labor theory of value. Therefore, the labor theory of values or the, you know, theory of exploitation is not correct. They'd be like, oh, yeah, well, of course. I mean, we acknowledge that. And like, here's the reality of it. And this is what we believe. But it's like, okay, but I'm not attacking what, like, the thing that you believe personally, I'm attacking what Marx said and -hmm. what the scientific theory of socialism, according to Marx, or the scientific theory of Marxism, according to him, is, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. that. There is a the that prices are determined by the labor theory of value, and that workers are exploited, which is a technical term, which means they do not receive the full value of their labor. Right, because a lot of it goes to the fucking uh, the boss, the administration. Exactly. Yeah. Right. The 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 managers, owners, etc. Yeah. Right. So what's right. what's what's wrong about that? What's wrong about that is there I mean, are that's literally what happens, right? What. Yeah, that the, the fucking quote-unquote value, right? In this case, some monetary amount extracted, if you will, accounted from, right? What they're able to sell this shit for, yeah. right? The value yeah. in that in that paradigm fucking floats to the top and the laborer gets, uh, you know, a stinting amount, right? Yes. And the managers and owners take the fucking cream. Right. That's, that's, but that's again, that's just a statement of profit. That's just sure, saying what profit right. is. Yeah, but 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 it's not. Then that, why are you arguing about but it? But it's not that. <laughs> well, what I'm arguing about okay. is the like scientific uh-huh. theory of it, which is a very specific like quantitative idea, which is 
the exploitation is the worker produces a certain amount of value according to the socially necessary abstract labor time that goes mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. a product. And the difference between that amount and what the worker actually gets mm-hmm. is what exploitation is. And that's what the problem is with the working, with the process of capitalist okay. uh, production. So basically, okay, 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 okay. So basically what you're saying is is what I think any good, you know, scientific-minded person would say is that the two uh, values cannot be sufficiently or, or effectively quantified such that you can make any kind of, 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 of functioning equation out of it versus we can address... Like, a, you know, like observe and describe like the fucking price. Yeah, you can describe thing. it qualitatively, but not quantitatively. Right, right. Sure. Well, as I said before, Marx was more of a philosopher than anything else. So, right. Yeah. But there are numerous people who insist that uh, Marxism is a scientific theory that's that it's quantitative. OK, I mean, and all that stuff. Right, right, right. We can we can talk. And then about this claims. goes into other stuff because right. there's other things that are based on the labor theory of value in Marxism that have other implications, which um, we'll get into after we talk about the power theory of price, which is that basically, you know, in a nutshell, since mm-hmm. we've already <laughs> we've already been going for like an hour and 15 minutes. God damn it. <laughs> um, but prices are the outcome of two power processes. Uh, one we've already mentioned, which is that um, one power process determines the cost of materials and labor needed to realize a good or service. Um, it's based on the bargaining power between um, laborers and employers and, uh, you know, sellers of, you know, intermediary inputs and mm-hmm. the buyers of those interme- intermediary inputs. Mm-hmm. And then the other um, power process determines the profit margin the seller is able to add to the cost. Um, for example, a product can be made more expensive if it's organic or if it's unique or something like that, you know? Right, right, right. right. And that, and that, I mean, that gets right into like literally mainstream economics, you know, right. with like the supply and Except supply chain even, value chain. They're even wronger about it than Marx is. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. So. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a graph that I diddled with my dick and it's a bunch of overlapping areas and the the most overlappiest is the part where you know for sure what's going on and then it's totally wrong yeah. i mean like the the uh the mainstream economic ex- explanation of price is like one of my favorite examples it's of pseudoscience because it's like ridiculous okay so a price is formed by supply and demand myself in class but also one. um <clears throat> you're only supplying one good and also there's only uh, one buyer of the good and also there's <laughs> yep. only one seller of the good yep. um, and also you know everything about the buyer and seller are known to each of them and there's no mysteries in the universe right and uh, yeah that's that's how it works and guys presumably all of the things they oh, know the are basically is, uniform and the product is output <laughs> it's not a pro- yeah. it's not an actual product it's right. just output it's just, <laughs> it just kind of suffuses yeah 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 <laughs> Um, so since we're just talking about Marx for now, I'll skip the implications of the power theory value, even though they're very interesting and you should read them mm-hmm. in a lengthy article in the show notes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. in the description before, um, we, before we move on a break. break. Okay. So we can, uh, argue some more. Bye. Yeah. Chris is upstairs, so I'm just saying that uh, I'm right about everything, and he can't even defend himself, so you have to accept that what I'm saying is true. 
Now, I definitely didn't say anything while Chris was upstairs. Nope. Um, so, um, anyway, so the next part is, uh, wow, I just put Marx's theory. <laughs> Marx's the theory. Is Marx's theory, which the rest of the article doesn't even touch at all, <laughs> unfortunately. But Who's this guy again? <laughs> what did he? Karl Mark. Karl, Karl Mark. Mark. Who's that? Um, so Marx's theory of value uh, which is based on the labor theory of value and the his theory of money are may, maybe one piece of why Marxism and anarchism are not that compatible. Right. Which, you know, some people think that they are compatible, mm-hmm. which is fine. I'm right. not here to argue that they aren't. <laughs> um, but according to him, <laughs> according to the things that he said, they aren't. So mm-hmm. uh, you guys are actually wrong. And he's obviously <laughs> the only authority that we have access to. So... Um, so, um, labor theory value essentially treats prices as a reflection of, of objective reality. Mm-hmm. Um, like, again, we didn't mention this more than like once, I think, but like, according to the labor theory of value, like prices are all like relative to one another. So like the price right. of a pen compared to the price of a pencil, right? as long as the socially necessary abstract labor time that goes into each one remains like the same proportion constant relative to one another, then their prices should be the same relative to one another. Right. Um, so his theory of money is the commodity theory of money, which if, if you don't know, is it's a conception of money that says that like, uh, money is just a commodity that emerged as like a, a good thing to trade with. Like, it it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it depends on the like the barter theory. Yeah, this is true. This is a this is a weakness that I agree with. Yeah, you on like yeah. So like basically like money is we started off bartering stuff. You know, thing. Yeah. if I wanted chickens, I would trade you a cow for fifty chickens. Right. And and then this thing emerged that was like yeah, an intermediary really guy. One day commodity. was like, what if we use yeah. money instead? I mean, why's, why's it got to be a man? <laughs> you know, why's it got to be a man, dude? <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. And I definitely was imagining like a white guy that did it too. So of course you were. I'm racist and sexist, unfortunately, yep. and transphobic. Yep. So Fuck. just not doing good so far. So I think this that means is, I lose the argument. Actually, let's just delete the whole episode. So, um, sorry, everyone. Uh, I guess Marxism wins. There was no point in you listening to this. <sighs> Cheers, Marxists. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the commodity theory of money is that, like, uh, you know, through barter, we discovered that uh, some things have like. A, a value that everyone values you know as opposed to like food which everyone needs or like water which everyone mm, needs i don't need those things air or something like that uh, you know any of that stuff nominally important sunlight um not important. Yeah, gold is actually the thing that everyone extremely needs, edible which yes you know everyone has a use for that mm-hmm. i have personally if tons of uses for gold i use it all the time yeah um, um fuel my car like, uh, that i don't have yeah you know there are other there are other commodity money systems like uh people yeah. traded nails which yep you know again mm-hmm. i use those every day yeah um yeah uh feathers cowrie yeah. shells yeah. Yeah. Uh, female slaves that one i do use right. constantly the female slaves yeah i mean um they're the backbone of society. Yeah. They built our civilization. My girlfriend thinks I do the dishes, but in fact, my female slave does all the dishes, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you some shady side eye right now. <laughs> um, uh. 
So the moment where there's a good cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we all know that oh. the commodity theory of money is bullshit because we all use credit cards and debit cards. And obviously none of those are commodities. Right. We're not numbers. like banks aren't swapping commodities right. when we pay at Target right. Right. and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this is the interesting thing about, I mean, I'm not even like a money theory guy. Right. But like just the fucking God, so important. I know, right? But, like, literally, like, the fucking, like, the prep for the 101 of this kind of shit is, like, yeah, the commodity theory of money is so interesting because I feel like it's the same level that, like, libertarians actually operate on. Oh, I'm absolutely. sorry, Marxists. Yeah. Because I actually like you better than I like them. But, like... All the ones that are, like, against against the Federal Reserve Bank are right. absolutely commodity theory of money right. people. Right, because they're like, well, this is a, a good... It's a commodity. Yeah. I need to have it. Has it to have intrinsic value. Right, right. Which is very mechanicalistic too. Yeah. You know? Um, and I... There was... There's a, a podcast called Money on the Left. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. You mentioned that one. It's an I started listening to the... Yeah, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And they had a woman on who was talking about... Um, theories of money mm-hmm. and uh for the longest time i was like okay well obviously like the commodity theory of money is is just nonsense mm-hmm. it's not true at all yeah there's no evidence for it whatsoever but like why if even if it's not true like why did why was money always like gold or silver right because that's what it's trying to explain really it's like okay we have all <laughs> right. these examples of money and it's but why did mostly they stick gold to that and shit. silver? Sometimes yeah. copper. Yeah. But it's mostly gold and silver. Yeah. And, to be, yeah. and her thing was like, um, if you issue a coin and it's made of gold or silver, mm-hmm. then it's sort of like collateral. So mm-hmm. if the if the money fails and you have a bunch of it, then you can melt it down and sell it for to recoup some of your, you know, uh, whatever your investment or whatever. It that's is. an interesting idea. Yeah. And of course, this is obviously like metal fucking coin. Yeah. Okay. That, and that, I'm, I'm, that kind of makes sense. I'm yeah. stupid and getting set in my way, so I'm just going to assume that that's true without looking into it at all and well, <laughs> confirming right, with evidence. Because, because why complicate things? <laughs> it makes with sense. So you know, and, it's probably right. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. No, that's an interesting idea. I would, I would love to read more about that one. Yeah. Um, I think she had a book, but I absolutely cannot name it offhand. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think. Um, I mean, again, money is weird and complicated and, and, mm-hmm. and abstract. And like, I, I like to talk to people, you know, who don't think about it much about how like money is a publication of the state or of like a state yeah. re- of a state affiliated organ of some kind, you know, and, and so as such is essentially like money is almost, I was going to say literally, but that enters into other metaphors. Uh, money is basically like a figure of speech yeah (laughs) like money money is like uh a way of expressing the values that we have already kind of alleged are subjective and not uh, really calculable except that like well they are when value is subjective price is not right exactly right 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 right. um and so the money is kind of like the medium for which like by which um power and that power struggle um like Money is a symbolic representation not calculates of power. but declares yeah yeah the 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 relationship between the yeah, two the way i put it yep. is like um i mean i wrote a whole section of chartalist theory but we could just get into it early if you want to like totally ruin my flow and that's fine 
Um, <laughs> hey, that's your that's your fucking choice. <laughs> Just kidding. We can do two more paragraphs. Um, but but basically, like <clears throat> uh, money is like the delegation of of power by the state over these states sub- subjugated workforce. Yep, that's the way that I put it. And it, I I need to come up with a more straightforward way that would be understood by anyone. But I th- I think that's money like the is simplest how way. you fucking bribe people to keep doing things and believe they did it on purpose okay kind of i didn't follow that exactly but if, if i've it's just, if i read it's it it's another kind of like better side of the relationship you know the like, thing i yeah go ahead. I, I define i define this i define capital this way but i think it would probably also apply to like money in general it's um permission by the state to use their subjugated workers that's actually a fair way to think about it yeah and of course, so every dollar that you have yeah. gives you, uh, like, uh, it depends on the wage of the person. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, say someone makes nine dollars an hour, you right. have you have nine dollars. That means right. you get not one hour yep. of that <clears throat> worker's time. Right. Yep. Um, and you know, it's somewhat mm-hmm. voluntary. Well, I think, but that, like, yeah. there's a, today we have enough subjugated workers that if you need someone to do something for nine dollars for an hour mm-hmm. you'll probably be able to find someone to do it for you yes yes exactly and and the interesting thing about like if uh like the size of like the money uh market if you will um is going off of what you just said uh about money being kind of like a like a like a state license to command a certain amount of labor, you know, yep. per document, right? Per bill, which is like a, a legal fucking script, you know, a bearer, um, a bearer instrument, right? Bearer yeah. instrument. Um. Uh. Anyway, so then you have yeah, your nine dollars or whatever the fuck, and like in uh, the more archaic, um, like less uh, sort of markety or capitalistic or whatever else, um, economies, there was a variety of ways you could trade your goods and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is one reason why like very like, uh, you know, mainstream economics obsessed, um, or like money obsessed people like libertarians, um, think that we've made so much progress is they're like, Oh, well we've just like sealed up all the gaps with fucking money market and other instruments and financialized everything, you know, but that's just bullshit. But, in the old days in any given system where money was present um yeah like the state you know or some powerful uh uh entity like yep. like we went over in kokudaka in japan mm-hmm. there were like the daimyos could also issue or at least control the flow of uh monies yeah and say like we're going to pay you in this and you can trade it for stuff uh or services or whatever and and like the less you have circulating the more it's it was sort of explicitly that permission or that license mm-hmm. to um sort of essentially um mobilize labor yeah right or or the goods that came from the labor um right and now because we've increased that number uh the the the, the amount of quote unquote money in circulation right and we've adopted this market ideology that everything's in the market and all this stuff then you know uh, the the exchange values of money itself sort of smear, right? Um, as well as the exchange values between you know, goods, services, labor, etc. Yeah, that almost makes me think that 
the market is really just the existence of a sufficiently advanced state to the point where like everything um like all life means are being provided by people that are part of the state essentially yeah yeah essentially that's what it is that's the financialization yeah. part yeah so it's, it's almost like just saying like we now control your relationships yeah if it, like if a state continues money. to proliferate it will yep. inevitably create a market because yep. it just has to yeah well if it's if it's sufficiently interested in that kind of control yeah it will develop the instruments and the means by which to proliferate proliferate and regulate yeah. those instruments right so they don't want to regulate businesses but they do they are very interested in um, currency exchange, yeah. monetary policy, etc., because that's where the fucking real shit is. Yeah. Right. Um, the, 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 the who's who in business and the what's what with labor to them, that's just like, you know, that's just the fucking ladder, mm-hmm. you know, but what's real is the ladder itself, which is money and, and things like that. Yeah. Right. So that was a tangent. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, let's see what else do I have. So I had a section on chartalism here. Um, I, I can't remember how much we've talked about modern monetary theory, but just to go over it briefly, um, you can get a really good, um, there's a really good reading of it by David Graeber mm-hmm. in debt. The first 5,000 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where he talks about how money emerged, um, how it started as credit and not as like commodity money or bearer instruments or however mm. we think about it today, but it actually started as credit and then later uh, became currency. And um, um, he, he talks about the chartalist theory and it's coming back into fashion thanks to modern monetary theory, um, which um, incorporates like central banking into it quite a bit, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, a- any state basically, um, issues currency in order to um, give to its employees so that um, those employees can get provisioned by people that are outside the direct employment of the state. Right. So the example used over and over in, in debt is uh, standing armies. So oh, yeah. Um, yep. in order to raise an army, they would pay soldiers, uh, they would give them coins, and then mm-hmm. um, you know they would go somewhere... And yep. then um, wherever the soldiers were, they would demand taxes from whoever was living there and say, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you need to work for these coins because <laughs> right. uh, if you don't pay them to us, then we're going to murder you or whatever. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so that means that they would provision the soldiers. They would, mm-hmm. you know, give them shelter and mm-hmm. food mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but And today that's evolved into central banking. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think um, even though it's hardly ever talked about in the context of like what capitalism is, I think it's actually a extremely important part of capitalism because it's been there basically since the beginning of capitalist history. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first central bank was the Bank of England um, formed by the English crown in 1694, um, which was basically created in order to mobilize the construction of a world class navy. Um, so they lost a major battle against the French and, uh, the English have a really, uh, you know, long standing dick measuring contest with France and, uh, <laughs> very long standing. Yeah. They very, very long standing. They looked in the mirror and they saw that their dick was very tiny, <laughs> um, like, oh, God, very, very tiny that. indeed. And so they, um, they created Using the bank money. of England in order. It's basically like jelking, mm-hmm. uh, for the Navy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so Charles Montague, who is the Earl of Halifax, uh, proposed what would be the Bank of England. He wasn't the first person to propose the idea, but he was the one that that actually got made it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bunch of investors lent 1.2 million pounds to the English Crown uh, in order to form the Governor and Company of the Bank of England. And I think it'd be cool to go to do an actual like entire episode on that because like, mm. what does it mean for these people to like lend 1.2 million pounds to the to the government? Like, how does that yeah. work? I don't know. And we should get into it now because that would be like, we would just be talking out of our ass. Yeah, pretty much. Um, just like, but I do have a footnote here that's, in that's history. pretty interesting about yeah. someone who, the first person who proposed the Bank of England, um, it was a uh, financial intermediary to the crown um, and an investor in the uh, East India Company who will, uh, we will be talking about in the next season for the episode on the history of sugar. Yes, sugar. Um, named Philip Berlamachi. And uh, he actually had a an, another symbolic victory besides the founding, founding of the Bank of England. He had another symbolic victory of uh, financiers over the English crown uh, when he lent uh, 70,000 pounds to King Charles I, who later went bankrupt. <laughs> well, Charles, you know, he had some issues. Got to live within your means, buddy. <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? Buying too many cigarettes and beers. All right. God damn it, Charles. <laughs> That's your problem. All right. You got to work hard, you know, impress the boss and uh, climb up the one, ladder. One of these then, days. And then one day you'll be able to afford cigarettes and beer. That's right. Not today, bud. Sorry. That's right. Sorry, Charles. The first <laughs> you're uh, spending too much on avocado have toast. To stay in the nosebleeds. <laughs> um, avocado toast. I need to, I definitely need to reorganize this article, but anyway, so the, the next section I get back into the, like the idea of the full value of your labor and, um, part of the other problem with that. Um, and I think probably a more devastating problem than just the like specific scientific theory, like right. the quantitative theory that Mark states right. is, um, workers don't actually produce any value initially because they don't start working until a business owner gets capital to pay them with. So like at the very beginning of a company, it starts with the capitalist, the capitalist right. has capital, right? It's initiated. By and then he hires started up as we like and to I say, say he, because capitalists are men, right? Let's be honest. Right. That's a bad thing. Um, yeah, we're just trying to be objective about yes. The tendency here. Yeah. So the capitalist hires workers <clears throat> to do something and then and they start doing it and it'll probably be a while before they even start getting revenue it's mm. usually like a couple of years before a business is well no i mean maybe not usually but it's often years before a business even starts producing revenue and they're they're just starting from the capital that they are founded with but meanwhile the worker is getting paid mm-hmm. so is the worker getting paid you know uh the part of their value that the boss isn't exploiting from them no they're getting paid from the capital that starts that started the business so Mm, okay i see what you're saying yeah so like workers never actually earn any amount of the value of their labor they're they're paid wages out of the capital supplied by the business owners um and so like the the wages of the workers are determined Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. advance of of any production happening at all Mm -hmm. um 
they're paid in advance of production happening. Um, and so like, you know, it's really not the exploitation part. That's the problem at all. It's just the entire like relation of capitalist and worker. Um, well, that's definitely true. Yeah. 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 And it's not just like uh, specific to capitalism. Like, so, uh, you know, in the capitalist mm-hmm. uh, mode of production, as as Marxists call it, mm-hmm. um, the capitalist is granted permission by the state mm-hmm. um, in the form of capital mm-hmm. uh, to use the state's subjugated workforce for their own ends. Right. And the problem with that is that there is a hierarchical organization that stems from the state, mm-hmm. uh, which determines the level of freedom and access that the worker gets. Right. Yep. And so if you're a capitalist, you get, you know, infinite freedom and access. You can have basically whatever you want. Right. You do whatever you want. Right. Um, there's a great article that I read like years ago. Uh, maybe I should try and find it, but like they're basically talking about how like, uh, you know, we're all subject to like customs and uh, passport enforcement when we yep. go to travel. Yep. But you know, ultra rich people they have private planes. Oh yeah, they just they basically just waltz in, walk out onto yep. the tarmac, get yep. into their plane, and just leave. <clears throat> they yep. don't have to do any of that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you can you, you can be Bill Clinton and get into a plane and fly to child rape island with Jeffrey Epstein and do whatever you want. That's um, in the South Pacific, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we'll have to Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Go go on Google Maps and Google Child Rape Island. <laughs> and <laughs> you'll and probably find know it. how that goes. <laughs> uh, I, I think in the indigenous tongue, it's called Rapa Nui. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even intend for that to be a, a pun or anything, but I think it kind of works as one. It's sort of... We're, we're getting there. Yeah. Anyway... Um, <laughs> So what what we really want is for workers to be free and to have access to things rather than being enslaved and immiserated. Yes. So that means that like, uh, like a hierarchy of so-called proletarian government bureaucrats that are granted increasing levels of freedom and access depending on their rank in the government is fundamentally the same thing as capitalism. So even if you don't have like whatever characteristics you give of the you know capitalist mode mm-hmm. of production mm-hmm. if you still have a state then that's still the same problem right right and this is right so, so yeah essentially um in this critique like the uh the proleta- uh, dictatorship of the proletariat as conventionally understood by many people mm-hmm. right um is just a repetition and a permutation of forms of the state throughout history mm-hmm. um but just with like new like levers incentives and, and ethics yeah exactly right which that itself is its own topic um that i think is worth discussing at some point um because i think i was thinking about I mean, this that's, actually that's like i was obsessing i've been t- trying to figure out for like years now yeah, yeah yeah i think that like uh, and I'm not going to sound like an extremely good anarchist right now, but like, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of like social democracy mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, well, if like state communism takes hold and that's what we got, I can work with that, you know, oh, yeah, I, can, no, I can work like, with that for sure. Right. Like yeah. this, being a part of the Soviet union, if you, if you yeah. take away, I guess if you take away the purges and the stuff, purges and the programs are bad. Yeah. But like, if you're a worker in the Soviet yeah. Union, it was definitely way better than being a worker in 
any capitalist nation, right? Especially right. outside of the United States, right? So that's kind of where like I see this particular style of like state communism that that is again like conventionally understood according to these terms um, as like maybe on par with a lot of the attempts that we've seen at like social democracy, quote yeah. unquote, right, and all that other shit because i'm like i don't think it goes far enough but like as we just said yeah it's livable it's maybe we'll see who wins out it's a very fine line between like okay like being in the ussr is mm-hmm. a little bit better than being in the u.s and like like slave master logic where right it's like right oh well you know your your circumstances were shit before i i got a hold right, of you ex- right and exactly and better, that's, so you should be happy with and what that's you got. always a, a hazard right yeah. yeah and that and that gets into like um i'm sure that um you know our cosmist insurrectionist friend would <laughs> would be like just you know happy to, to 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 really get into this kind of thing but like that's the sort of weird like psychosocial stuff that is always like historically embedded and very like path dependent and contextual, mm-hmm. you know, where like whatever the fuck you do, right. Somebody's going to be like, you should be grateful to me, you know, yeah. like, like that paternalism yep. or that like kind of just like, and that's uh, even where debt comes from too. Shit. Oh yeah. 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 Like the yeah. debt shit, you know, oh, I saved your life. That means you owe me now. And you're like, well maybe, but maybe it was just like, we were both in the same place and you were doing me like what any human would do, yeah. you know, like, so yeah so so that's the kind of situation is like or you weren't doing what any human would do because you were (laughs) telling me that i owe you right right maybe (laughs) maybe you did this literally (laughs) thinking that now you have a slave you know so who knows but but yeah so that's that's this thing about that is like there's there's a lot of moral hazard in any given system of governance and that's i think what anarchists are trying to avoid yeah and so i summarize this as like uh we want to put an end to the atrocities carried out by the state not to reconfigure the logic for carrying out the atrocities right and that's and that's yeah a, a solid summary for i think the main point at least yeah so um man we're we're both getting either drunk or tired or both i think it's both well you know probably both yeah yeah you have your metabolism thing <laughs> yeah. i have my yeah. i don't sleep very well thing yeah um yeah well i also don't sleep very well so i'm just fucked i'm just generally fucked (laughs) yeah um so the last thing i have is um and this is not a complete article uh i just decided to do this as a episode because Mm -hmm. our other subject wasn't done and i didn't want to just do like bullshit so let's do it um it's the last thing i have but uh there will be more in the future i think Mm -hmm. so this is about ownership of the means of production and this is like the big What's thing. What's that? It's the big thing that Marxists are concerned about. Right. Um, so uh, according to the Marxist definition of capitalism, it's private ownership of the means of production. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes also like commodity productions included and mm-hmm. some other stuff. What's some other stuff that tends to be included in the definition of capitalism by Marxists? I mean, that's, that's, that's like the really main the main one. Yeah. Um, alienation, I guess. Alienation. Yeah. Uh, fucking commodity fetish um, commodity fetishization yeah yeah and just general fetishization like uh fucking which obviously like the the class system right that yeah. is proposed by marx and Engels like to sort of describe like how that all works and like criticism of like uh, the and let me make family. sure I, i'm getting this right commodity production according according to marxists is 
production for exchange value and not use value. Is that what that is? As I recall. And then alienation or commodity fetishization is that um, social relations are mediated through commodities rather than through direct social relations. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, Um, And like masked, right? Like so it's, it's like it becomes smoke and mirrors. Right. Right. Like mediated, but like in an unclear right, you're like disconnected like, from right. It's yeah. a f- sort I of fantastic. Also, also part of alienation, like right, alienation right. is everything the becomes kind of disconnected from the product of their labor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like you're not actually like you don't think about like so like the pen that costs a dollar, mm-hmm. right? You don't think about the pen necessarily as just a pen because you're not getting the whole dollar. Well, it's, and you're not you're not giving it to the person. Yeah, it's that's more like using it. Right. It's more like you didn't make it. They didn't make it. You got someone it from didn't them. come up and ask you for a pen and you make it for them. Right. You make the pen and then you sell it to whoever you don't give a shit. Right. Right. And, and it's so, not even you. Right. It's your you know. Right. So if you're your like your boss's salesperson. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like if you're and 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 there, and, there, and all the like all the weird like flawed and and sort of mystical thinking that comes with that kind of relation to the the products that like um you don't like quote unquote like own the means of production of you know and um and all the other shit that goes with that like the relations and so forth and so like you know even if like let's say like you're a a guy making a pen in a factory for you know in this bizarre example for an hour (laughs) um (laughs) uh, but then like so you wish I could make a pen faster than one hour, <laughs> right? Right. Well, it seems you know, like every pen takes that long. Right? Damn. Well, and of course, and of course, like you know, traditional economic or a traditional uh, industry, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you make one pen at a time and you do it. And of course, this is the whole you know. I will actually make five pens at a time. Line. So. Yeah, just a little with, better with than all you. five hands. Um, <laughs> and then um, on the sort of assembly line, etc. Um, the sort of the, the industry, indus, uh, industrialism paradigm, Ugh, God damn it. Industrial okay. paradigm. Yes. Fucking okay. shots. Okay. So you want to, you want to take an outside break for a second? <laughs> sure. <Okay>. Why not? <laughs> we can back up a little bit. Okay. And we're back to attempt the last part of the show. Is this my beer? This is my beer, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes going good so far <laughs> okay so uh we're gonna finally talk fail about- science <laughs> dot podbean <laughs> yeah if you like our podcast it's on uh, fail science dot podbean dot com yeah <laughs> um so ownership of the means of production so according to marxists uh private ownership of the means of production is like the primary and most important characteristic of capitalism um that's like how they define capitalism uh, most of all is is that the means of production are privately owned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think that describes just any state system. Yeah, that's something that I kind of like grapple with a lot too. Yeah, is like the, what's what's the separation between state system like like statism or state whatever the fuck and capitalism as a system? And I think that like it goes into our general view which is that they're inseparable yeah and but not that like capitalism is like eternal that's right. kind of a new modern thing but it's essentially a statist system. it's a type of statecraft yeah, exactly I think. Right, right right and as i mentioned i think central banking is like 
one of the most important characteristics. I think mm-hmm. it's much more important mm-hmm. than because it's in the middle and that makes it important. Right. Right. <laughs> central bank. Yeah. Yeah. Even though um, central planning doesn't work. Right. Can't do that. So nope. technically it's not capitalism actually. No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and I, I think I mentioned in the last episode that like uh, the source of legitimacy is, is also an important characteristic, characteristic of capitalism because prior mm-hmm. to this, it was always like the emperor or the king Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. granted it was the ultimate source of legitimacy right um you know in capitalism the government lends legitimacy um mm-hmm. to a lot of institutions but also mm-hmm. just like um especially nowadays like the idea of merit where you know someone either they worked hard for what what they right. got or right. or they produced something that was socially important and that's why they ha- they're they have the right to control it, you know. Right. Mark Zuckerberg invented Facebook. Yeah. And so and since he invented Facebook, that's and everyone improved uses their it. fucking lives. Yeah. <laughs> so since he invented Facebook, that means that he gets to control everything with Facebook. Right. Right. Um, and uh, I can't remember what I was reading, but there was someone else that was talking about this. Where like uh, I think it actually was might have been Capitalist Power, where like, um, you know, if a company changes hands, mm-hmm. um why do the workers obey the new boss like uh for example yeah. i worked i worked for caribou coffee yeah and it was acquired by um jab which is a german holding company mm-hmm. and then they decided to make all the all the caribou stores pete's stores right so why did we why did we go along with Just that go with it um you know obviously a because they pay our our wages right um, like I, well, I don't have any other choice. Yeah. So I'm already there. Yeah. And then just like, uh, you know, property rights and, um, you know, like acquisitions are just considered like, you know, if, if someone pays the money to acquire something, then it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. theirs and they're the legitimate ruler of the thing. Right. Right. Um, so you know it's it's not because they owned the like the espresso machines or anything like that mm. that that we worked on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they own the stores but the stores aren't like i mean they're kind of means of production i guess but they're not not really like it's just the building that we produce in right it's right. not the means by which we produce the coffee it's the locale that we produce the coffee right. in or right. something yeah something like that i don't know but it's it's, it's very fuzzy it's another one of those things where it sounds really clear and easy right. when you first think about like, it, but then the more you get into it, the the less kind of clear have to it is. Say, well, what about these exceptions and these scenarios? Yeah. Right, and and so like, um, if you push on this, like, uh, I I've brought up uh, the um, fuck, what's his name, um, David Ellerman critique of means of production, where like, uh. You know, the example I always use is Foxconn. So um, Foxconn workers, uh, the Foxconn company, they own all these factories. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that own the factories where iPhones are produced. Yet Mm -hmm. Apple is the one that's in control of the production of iPhones. Right. Because Apple pays them the uh, money that they need to do it. This is where you lost those followers. I remember now. Okay. This is the thread is that it. you went off on. <laughs> <laughs> and Lost people were like, no, this Damn. guy is full of shit, actually. <laughs> but I, I I, know kind of what you were saying, so I want you to elaborate for everybody. Yeah. Including so myself, because like, um, I'm curious. So the, the Marxist response to this is like, mm-hmm. like, okay, sure. Like, I guess, 
you know, Apple is in control of the production process, mm-hmm. even though Foxconn owns the means of production. But really, um, it is actually the means of production um, that puts capitalists in power because, um, you know, if we controlled the means of production, then we would be in power. Right. But the problem with that is like, even if, uh, even if the means of production were like completely publicly owned, if say like factories were just opened to the public, um, sure we could produce everything that we need, mm-hmm. and you know the capitalists would have like less power over us, or mm-hmm. the state would have less power over us. Mm-hmm. But still, if they were to uh, levy taxes on us and say, if you don't pay pay the taxes to us then you're going to go to jail. Then they still have power over us and it's still a state because we would still have to work for them and, you know, work, work for their ends and fulfill their, uh, whatever the, it is that they want, even though they don't own the means of production. It's really the threat of violence that is the ultimate power that maintains the, um, control of the state. I, I half agree with you. Um, and by that I mean I agree with the threat of power, mm-hmm. monopoly on violence thing, because that's basically accepted as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, at least there's very broad, wide consensus on that one for what uh, you know what it means to have state power. Um, the monopoly on like the legitimate use of violence. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's Weber, I think, defined it that way. As I recall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or someone who looks exactly like him, uh, but yeah, <laughs> but um, in in my in my, you know like when you think about when you think about it when you think about like what that would mean practically because we're kind of going down this rabbit trail. Say you own the means of production, right? Uh, and so, but have forth. you ever owned the means of production on weed? Oh shit! <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have. <laughs> um, then we this, know for a fact that Richard Branson does. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, and and it's been verified that Elon Musk can can do it. Um, the weekly. So. I really want to come up with like a a term for the face that he made Dude, when he what smoked the a joint on, fuck. or didn't even smoke it. He just like. It took was like, a taste of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something <laughs> the, like, else, eyebrow raised, Yeah, like, just the, like, scrunchy face thing. It's like, like the n- nerd new experience yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm actually 60. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, if you, if you own all that shit somehow or other, like, if you control it, and then the state's like, we're going to tax you, and we're going to use force to like cause you to uh you know give us some some proportion of that value some 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 amount of what you produce then you at that point if you have actual control over those means of production mm-hmm. right then like theoretically as i think the the idea goes the attempt by the state to controvert your control Mm -hmm. is going to be severely diminished like you'll be able to defend that theoretically right yeah because you'll have mass power and all that right so that's like that's where like i mean you and i and most of our click are are fans of dual power yes right we love that shit i fucking love it yeah and i fuck it sometimes 
I, <laughs> uh, making it awkward again. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> me too. Okay, so dual power, cool. Um, as as you know, in whatever form that might be, might might be. Um, and then there's the whole like season the means seizing the state power season of the bitch season the bitch right right <laughs> um celestial seasonings whatever the fuck it is uh yeah so the idea being that like at that point you've achieved a kind of dual power very very suddenly in some sense of the word right and and so you're able to compete with the state violence yada yada mm-hmm. you know um so i don't see a problem with that so much um i think that like you have a fair point about like the taxes and the violence and all that shit like the, you know the, the top-down state-imposed shit yeah um uh, but i just don't see that it's um all that much of a uh, different objection you know like it's not it's not like a significant objection to marxism um versus like any objection to like an anarchist you know theory yeah i guess it's really an objection to the definition of capitalism as private ownership of the means of production okay well i mean in that case if that's what marxism is then that's what i object to and if that's not what marxism is then i guess okay i don't then sure right 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 (laughs) Um, i mean yeah in that case if like if we're talking about what we kind of referred to before where like uh capitalism is under in our understanding um more of like an uh a modern mode or means or method of of control yeah. and dissemination of power um under current state regimes yeah right then in that case sure yeah yeah, yeah. um and and i do say at the end of this this is the last thing i wrote before i had to start working again today uh which is like is control of industry pointless uh no it's it's not it is pointless because time will erase all lives (laughs) uh yeah time our names will be forgotten the dust will blow over our corpses (laughs) everything is pointless actually not just control of industry except for that one dollar fucking pen yeah Yeah. (laughs) that has a point that has a point um and so does the ballpoint so does the pencil as well yeah um uh, so like uh you know control of industry puts us in the position to break state control without risking uh without either risking opposition from non-political people who need to eat or mm-hmm. risking mass death from starvation mm-hmm. or exposure or disease caused by us mm-hmm. not having the ability to produce our needs yeah so um you know control of the means of production is is important for sure yeah absolutely and we should acquire it yeah. in order to quickly uh, do the revolution thing that everyone yeah. wants to do we should do that um, but again um, tomorrow as we've said before uh part of that is uh doing businesses and uh getting control of industry through our infiltration into business yes and then using that as part of the dual power strategy so basically that's really all i'm saying google.com slash socialism yeah i think that's everything or something like that i think you have to do google.com slash s question mark no no (laughs) google.com slash search question mark q equals business my god
This is a good bit to do. It's me trying to guess Just the URL. Building a fucking <laughs> query. Google search. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's a good bit. <laughs> so that's that was really the whole point of this episode. Was, the whole episode. Yeah, we were all just getting to uh, the Google query. Long winded as it was, <laughs> you can really ignore the rest of it. <laughs> other than that, um, so that's really all I have for this. Um, you know, there's there's more in the article. There's very flowery, pretty language in the article, but not mm-hmm. not in a hard to read way <laughs> it's in a nice to read way i think hopefully that's what i'm shooting for anyway everyone was reading uh, was listening to this podcast episode i'm so they sorry were lying for you, down <laughs> to sleep yeah and by the time you're we hearing, say any of this you've completely passed out yeah you're hearing our exhausted voices <laughs> and just drifting off into dreamland just goodbye or i think i need to move the mic around for that this is the asmr (laughs) political economy podcast (laughs) actually that already exists oh god Um, there's a there's a guy that's like into capitalist power um and he also does like asmr videos jesus and uh yeah he did like asmr economics where he explained all the concepts of capitalist power but he was whispering oh my god so he did them like this uh, he talked about inflation and uh, mergers and acquisitions. <laughs> and uh, I think he rustled some paper while he was explaining <laughs> capitalist power. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to amp the shit out of that, but it's going to be going to be worth it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's all we have. Do you have this, anything else you want to talk about? This seems mean, to have come to an end. I, you know, uh, we're going to be cutting probably like i'm probably gonna cut like 40 minutes out of this 90 percent yeah 90 percent um so i mean like uh this will be our last episode for the year with us together is there any any like year in view things that you want to talk about maybe um any like particularly important events that you think we should mention well reiterate um, that we're bad or good let's see i would say uh the left in england is doing better now because Yes. The conservatives are very Somewhat. split. I think Brexit was extremely effective <laughs> in dividing the right. Yeah, I was just listening to um I I was literally just listening to uh Dead Pundit Society episode on that last night. I don't know how fe- people feel about that podcast. Is that the one with the that one dude? The two is that the Could one with be. the two Australian people? Uh, I think so. I mean, there's Amy a few. Therese and uh, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely hate the guy from that. He sucks. Really? Yes. Well, I don't like him at all. There goes at least part of our cred with maybe one person. I don't know. Um, Amy seems okay. She's yeah, she's all right. I don't know. I enjoyed um, her on. I think she was on Grub Stakers, and it was it was good. Yes, she was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I was so actually, I was listening to the dead pundits society and then i listened to the grub stickers and rupert murdoch which she was on okay um kind of just like just you know connecting the dots between the two Mm -hmm. Uh, it was actually a pretty good episode uh they were talking about like some of the logistics of all that um and how like i forget the fucking guy's name the american accented guy uh, but he was talking about like issues of balances of forces and balances of power, which is a very international relations kind of thing as well as kind of a leftist thing. Yeah. Um, so that's always nice. Um, and that's where I was like, yeah, like this is the part of say 
like conventional electoral politics that I can climb back onto, you know, because it does concern issues of like the powers that literally indeed exist right now. Right. And so it was a good, pretty good breakdown. You know, he had his, 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 his guest speaker and everything. That was good. So yeah, Brexit and all that bullshit. Yeah. I think the lesson from that is that, uh, any, anything that we, any wedge issue that we can find where we can absolutely like, make a referendum. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. Like, yeah. um, as soon as I heard about the vote, yep. uh, I was walking Fenway, mm-hmm. my dog mm-hmm. and, uh, looking in, in the group DM that we're in. And, uh, I was saying like, right. we should, we should like, uh, get a referendum on NAFTA. Yeah. And that would absolutely oh. divide the right. Oh, absolutely. Because half of them would be like, no, oh, no, well, of course we need to stay in NAFTA. Right, right, right. It's good yeah. for business. Yep. Neither half would be like, oh, no, we're nationalists. We mm-hmm. want America first. Yep. We don't want to give yep. up free stuff to Mexico or whatever. Yeah. No, Even I, though it doesn't, it's very favorable to us, but it, they're fucking stupid. So they don't know that. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and you know how it is with um, people's people's ideology, their tribalism, etc., blinding their ability to analyze something in material terms you yeah. know so like the nationalists really don't understand um or maybe Anything? just don't care well yeah yeah <laughs> but like they don't understand the extent to which um the certain kinds of trade do benefit them certain kinds of because it's like if they don't give a fuck right if they don't give a fuck yeah about other people Right. Right. Being nationalists, especially like, you know, sort of populist nationalists, whatever. Maybe being conservatives. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they don't give a fuck about anybody else. Yeah. Then what they should be doing, and this is literally something that I told, and I do apologize to everyone for what I'm about to confess, but it was somebody who has literally no fucking power at all. What I told a guy I know who was basically fash now, but was at the time more of a libertarian, mm-hmm. and we know how that works. But I was like, look, here's the thing America's a fucking empire. Mm hmm. If you want the most benefit you can get out of that, you got to treat it like a fucking empire, Mm -hmm. right? Plain and simple. You just got to double down on it. Yeah. You know? And so he went full fucking nationalist after that. And I was like, God damn it. Didn't expect that. (laughs) Right. But I was like, uh, it is a 50, 50 uh, chance. It it was just like, you know, you can see the point that I'm trying to make, or you can just go, okay, actually I do want to fuck a bunch of brown people, you know? And he went the second route. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. That's cool. Right. So, um, and of course he was extremely into Trump when that came up, but like, yeah, that's the problem is, um, you know, everyone likes to act like Trump is a, a big bumbling dumbass, which right. he is right. Totally. But he's yeah. also an extremely strong leader with a powerful brain. And, oh, uh, yeah. I think even if we brought up the NAFTA referendum, even if that was made a thing, uh, they would just go with whatever he says, even if yeah. he says both things. Yeah, that's that's the other side of that is the strongman thing. Yeah. Um, but then I guess I guess no, like um, well, okay. So if we were just like, hey, uh, President Orange uh, Cheeto Mick Small Hands, mm-hmm. what do you think about NAFTA? Uh, if he just had to answer the question, he would just be like, mm, boo. Hmm. Hasn't hasn't he but historically if we forced shit a on vote NAFTA? on it yeah. and and yeah. like it was like okay fifty percent of the country right. is for NAFTA fifty percent of the country is against NAFTA right let's just say that's what it is yeah then 
he would have to come down on one side of the vote and then that would be like kind of on the record and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know i think that's kind of what uh messed up the tories is like half of them had to come down on a side right and they can't just change sides because it's this <laughs> ongoing thing like right okay we voted i guess the thing would be like okay we voted to leave nafta mm-hmm. right and then trump is like either oh no i support nafta which would be no good for him or okay yeah sure we're gonna leave nafta and then we have to like figure out all this shit to do mm-hmm. because all these things depend on nafta being in place right exactly exactly and then, you know people get mad because he's not doing it well or they get mad because he's doing it too well or what have you and that kind of divides the party I think we have to find a wedge issue like that and and make it yeah. a pro- make it a process that has not to, just one. That the government we want has to go like through. three or four as many as we can. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Thirty um, or forty. You know, um, should Jews be allowed to be in government? Right. You know, should there be a we Jewish vote? Pope yes, and then referendum all the that. Nazis are like, right. well, now that's not okay. Right. So, uh, think of some wedge issues for the New Year's. Yeah. Instead of New Year's resolutions. New Year's wedge-illusions. Yeah. <laughs> New Year's yeah. wedge-illusions. For the revolution. <laughs> That'll be an episode titled New yeah. Year's wedge-illusions. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I like it. We'll come back with that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're dying now. We're We've been dying for like 40 extinct. minutes probably. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're already passed out. It's fine. If we you understand. enjoyed this episode, uh, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so check out our other episodes. Uh, you can find us on neighborsciencepodcast.com. I got that right for the first time ever, which is cool. <laughs> um, give us a rating on iTunes, but base your rating on like uh, the previous several episodes because those ones are, are good. Yeah. Or, or even better, base your ratings on your expectations of future episodes yes. based on past episodes, that's, but not this one. That's called capitalization. That's right. That's capitalization. <laughs> that's a lesson. And adjusted for risk because we yes. take a lot of risks, I think. Yeah. We took a risk here. Boy, look how brave we are. And that's why are. we deserve money. So brave. Because the people who get money are the mm-hmm. ones who take the most risk. Yes. So There's that's us. Responsible people. That's what we're doing. Who else would do a podcast about political economy God. and anime? Are you crazy? This is what? Basically, we're heroes. <laughs> no, come on, man. We're heroes. Well, we did. So yeah, we did it. Take a big risk, and uh, risk deserves reward. Mm-hmm. And that's really the lesson we're trying to teach here. So, um, uh, thanks for Twitter listening at Neighborside Pod. Yep. Um, I'm at Handle of Rye. Mm-hmm. Chris I'm is at-, at Solidarity underscore Goth. Mm-hmm. Uh, also follow Peter. Um, he might start posting again. In the next couple months, he's at Book Cheekite. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to try and get him back on the pod at some point. That's right. We're going to um, smuggle him. And hopefully he'll, yeah, hopefully he'll like give us the whole story of, you know, what he's been doing for the past bunch of mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty interesting. He's going to give us some insights into business. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, oh, and it's his birthday today. So today. Uh, happy birthday, Peter. Happy birthday, Peter. Um, everyone wish him a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear us, it'll probably be like three days before, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll still appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. That's everything. iTunes rating. Yeah. Okay. Fucking do what you want. Yeah. It's anarchism. Okay. Bye. Bye.